0: entrepreneur on fire 523
1: the most inspiring stories from today's most successful entrepreneurs join john lee dumas and today's entrepreneur on fire
0: business apps is an industry leader in the mobile app business and they've got everything you need to start your own mobile app reseller business today Visit businessapps.com. That's B I Z N E S S apps.com to learn more. Besides fear and lack of confidence, design projects are what I see hold entrepreneurs back most. Luckily, 99 Designs can help. Visit 99 slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, James Garvin. James, are you prepared to ignite?
1: I am ready to ignite. (laughs)
0: Yes. James founded FiGuide.com, an online personal finance media company, and authored Bootstrapped, how 75 entrepreneurs successfully bootstrapped their startups, and how you can too. I've given our listeners just a little overview, James. So take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of your business.
1: Yeah, you bet. So I'm absolutely a zigzagger. Um, my background education, if you will, was actually pre-med and was studying for the MCAT back in the day and realized med school just wasn't something that I wanted or, or even could do. So I ended up doing some marketing in the biotech industry for a while, but really found myself bored with the regulations and the lack of freedom in the industry. And I'm the guy that always had the entrepreneurial itch, um, even without knowing it. You know, I was that 12-year-old kid in, growing up in New England shoveling driveways for $20 a pop you know, when I got too old for that, I was teaching tennis clinics to, uh, you know, different kids and adults, uh, um, making $100 an hour at a time, um, which, you know, at the time was more of a necessity to put cash in my pocket. But, you know, that, that entrepreneurial drive and itch has always been there for me um, ever since I was pretty young. Um, fast forward to more recent times, um, having, you know, foregone medical school, I ended up going to, to business school um, to get more familiar with the key business concepts that at the time I thought were required to, to build your own company. And when I went into business school, I was adamant about applying my learning and doing a startup while in graduate school. Um, I didn't want to go through the program spending upwards of $100,000 on learning something without applying it. So I thought, what better way than to, to do a startup in grad school? Um, you know, Having moved to San Francisco from the East Coast eight years ago, online entrepreneurship really was a new concept to me when I, when I entered business school, but something I knew I wanted to do. And really having it be a part of the culture out here in San Francisco Um, That that support network really was key to my success. Um, So long story short was I was able to really find and recruit two partners, including a computer programmer with a master's from Stanford to help me launch my idea and ultimately build and, and sell that business. Well, James,
0: you obviously have had a fascinating journey, similar in some ways to mine. You were almost going to go the medical route. I actually went the law school route and dropped out because that just wasn't for me. I knew I had more entrepreneurial urgings in my mentality as well. And we're definitely going to dive all into that journey of yours. But before we do, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling. And James, take it away.
1: Sure, so many to choose from, but the one that I always come back to is uh, by author Karen Lamb, which goes, a year from now, you may wish you had started today.
0: Break that down for us, James. How do you apply that mentality to your life? And give us a real world example.
1: And, you know, we all say it, time flies, right? So this quote really reminds me to act now. And no matter how small that, that task is, it's critical for me to start towards an idea and get myself closer each day to that end goal. Um, You know, I'm sure you've heard it. I've heard it. Dozens of friends and acquaintances tell me stories of of all these grand ideas and dreams that they had, but (laughs) never got around to doing that. I thought of
0: Facebook before Facebook.
1: Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. And it drives me nuts when I hear that because I say, well, why didn't you do anything about it? Um, They just say, you know, know, that's where you can get a thousand and one different excuses. And we're all busy people. But ultimately, if that goal or dream is a priority for you, you need to make it happen and you need to start now. You know, don't wait for tomorrow, don't wait for a week from now. Do something now, no matter how small it is. Buy a domain, write a blog post, something that at least gets you a step closer to that to that end goal.
0: I love that Chinese proverb, James, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The yeah. second best time is today. Absolutely. So James, let's focus on your journey now. Let's take the spotlight and look at your failures, your successes, your aha moments. But let's start with a story. Let's start with a story of a time that you did fail, that you did face a massive obstacle or challenge. And really tell us that story, James. Take us down to the ground level next to you and share with us the lessons you learned.
1: Sure. Well, fortunately, I've never had a major failure that was catastrophic, but I have had a ton of small failures. Um, but have really been a part of my learning curve. Um, and, and most of those failures have been with new business ideas that I've tested and came away just scratching my head wondering why I ever <laughs> thought it was a good idea. Um, and I'll share a specific example with you. Um, I partnered with a, a buddy of mine who was a computer programmer in San Francisco, extremely talented, and developed a, a very cool app um, that basically helped websites, e-commerce companies help increase their calls to action in sort of a, a more subtle but more effective way than, than just the pop-ups that you see uh, today. Um, I thought the product was great. And we sort of talked and you know, I agreed to help them market it, but honestly really had no idea how to market it. You know, so I tried a lot of different tactics, but ultimately I didn't really understand who the end user was, who the end user's needs were. And basically, you know, it just it just floundered. We got no signups, no customers. And after about 30, 60 days, I just said, listen, this isn't a product or or you know uh, you know industry that I, I know a lot about. I can't help you. Um, and really, that lesson was stick to your core strengths. You know, um, I, I don't regret trying something with him, but ultimately, it wasn't a product that I really knew how to sell or how to market. Um, and, and so that again was was a great learning experience for me.
0: So James, really break it down for us. Like you say, work on your core strengths. So what would have been something that would have been a little more up your alley as far as trying with a new startup venture?
1: Yeah, sure. So I do. I love the media space. Um, that's ultimately what what FiGuy was um, creating content. And, you know, we started FiGuy before content marketing, I guess, was really the the buzzword that it is today. Um, so I love that space. I love the online education space, both, um, you know, the formal education, uh, you know, via u- universities and, you know, what Udemy is doing um, over in the Bay Area and some of the other online ed, ed-, ed- tech spaces. So really, my I, you know to shy to talk more about my strengths, I shy away from my my weaknesses really, which are more in the software high tech space. Got it. Um, and that's really what you know. I I was in the high tech, I was in the biotech space, but I hate regulation. You know, I, there's just not <laughs> a lot of freedom to to do what I need to do. And you know, I like to do things on, on a short term basis. Um, I don't want to work you know ten years and find out that um, you know our, our drug or something didn't get approved and, and look back and say that we just never really accomplished anything. So.
0: So James, this is really powerful. And what I'm taking away from this is follow something that you're passionate about in a way, because it's not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is something that we need to be looking down the road and saying, Hey, in two, three, four, five years from now, if this is still going, is this something that I'm still going to be excited about? Is this still where my passions and my expertise overlap, overlie? Is there some intersection there that will really, again, help us in that long run, not that short term sprint that so many entrepreneurs face? So James, boil it down for us. If you could just boil it down in one sentence with one takeaway from that failure and obviously that learning
1: moment, what would it be? Don't be afraid to try new things. You know, even even though I consider it a failure, um, I learned a lot more from that failure than I I would have done doing something else or not doing anything during that that 30 to 60 day period.
0: James, let's transition from the obstacles, the challenges and the Failures that face us all as entrepreneurs, and go over to the other end of the spectrum—the aha moments, the light bulbs that we have that resonate with us at some point in our journey in many different genres. Share with us that story, James, of a time that you had a light bulb go off, and what steps did you take, James, when you had that moment to turn it into success?
1: Yeah, too many light bulbs go off for me, but um, <laughs> you know, the the one example I'll I'll, I'll share with you when we started Fi um. And you hear this story so often, but um, we set out to build an, uh, an app that was sort of similar to what Mint.com uh, ended up creating. Right. Uh, right. So sort of some online personal finance software. And obviously that was going to take time to build out. Um, and while we were building out our app, we wanted to get started building some buzz. And so what we set out to do was to get some professional content on our site that matched with our users' financial goals, right? So whether it's buying a house or uh, you know, retiring, you know, saving up for that vacation. So what we did is rather than reach out to just random personal financial bloggers, we actually reached out to certified financial planners, financial advisors who were really actively blogging and got them to write content for us. And it was when we started seeing very, very quickly, actually, a lot of organic SEO and some very high monetization for us with a lot of the advertising that we were doing in the personal finance space that we realized that there was really a a great opportunity to change, as you would say, the, the buzz term now is pivot. From a product software company into more of, of a media company, and that 's ultimately what we did so we ended up building a really a marketing and distribution platform for financial advisors who would write content for us um, you know would answer uh, consumers' questions about the most insane technical you know uh, questions out there in, in the realm of personal finance estate planning things like that um, and that's ultimately what we ended up building really going from that that product uh, product path down to a mini company. And that aha moment came when we tried to do something during that product development stage to recruit financial planners onto our website to create content. And when we saw that Google traffic spike in the monetization that we were able to get off that, you know, that was the big aha moment.
0: So bringing the financial planners to you, you did that with SEO and with other organic measures. What would you say your number one success tool was?
1: We brought the financial planners to us directly, and then it ended up being through word of mouth. Um, So our big, biggest success factor was the fact that we had financial planners writing for us and answering questions. You know, there there are a ton of finance websites out there, right? right? I mean, I'm not even going to start to name them, but they tend to be from amateurs, right? People that don't practice in the profession. So our real niche was being able to answer really more complicated questions in the personal finance realm. You know, not just, oh, how much do I need to save for retirement, but really complicated real-life questions that consumers had out there but didn't necessarily have the funds or the access to a professional or that wanted to pay for a professional.
0: So Fire Nation, what you're hearing James share right now can be applied to any niche, to any industry, to any focus that you have. I mean, he brought the financial planners to his company and had them answer, and then everything just started to snowball from there. And so James, for Fire Nation, what's just one takeaway that you would want us to walk away from, from that learning experience?
1: It's called one-sided networks can be extremely powerful. And what I mean by, you know, we we talk about network platforms, right? Right. Facebook connects different people. What we saw, what we had at FIGUID was really a one-sided network where financials advisors saw their colleagues on our platform, right? So they'd email us and say, hey, you know, I see John Dumas is writing for you uh, at FIGUID. You know, how do I get on, right? And so you know, that's why I talked about. Even though we, we initially reached out to the first dozen or so financial planners, it really became a snowball effect where yes. they started reaching out to us saying, hey, how do I sign up for this? You know, this is really great what you guys are doing. Um, and that was a very powerful business and, and lesson that, that we learned.
0: And again, Fire Nation, this applies to other industries. I mean, let's talk about Entrepreneur on Fire for a second. I reached out to the mentors in the field, people that were killing it in the podcasting world, Cliff Ravenscraft, Jamie Tardy, who was my mentor, and I shared with them my idea of a -a seven-day-a-week podcast. And they said, A, John, you're not going to be able to find enough guests. B, you're not going to be able to produce that many podcasts. And C, you're not going to find anybody that wants to listen to that many podcasts. And so although they were right about a number of things in the podcasting industry, those three things, they were not right about. And I, like you, James, hit that tipping point at about the six-month mark where it was a lot of work at the beginning to go out and to find guests for a -a seven-day-a-week business podcast. But I hit the tipping point six months in where everybody was saying, oh, my friend, my peer, that person's on Entrepreneur on Fire. How do I get on that? Then it stopped being an outbound experience and started being a strictly inbound experience. And I've been going for almost a year now, almost never reaching out to guests, Instead, just sorting through the inbound material that I get. So just like James had that tipping point, we have too. And if you follow these tactics, these tools, Fire Nation, you will as well. And James, obviously, that was a proud entrepreneurial moment. And you've had a number. But share with Fire Nation your proudest entrepreneurial moment.
1: Oh, definitely selling and exiting that first business. Um, and I think that that's true for any entrepreneur that has done that. I, I think there's the start, but also the exit, which sort of, I guess, in some way validates your success, uh, but just gives you that confidence that, you know, you can go out and, and, and do that. You know, you can go out and be a successful entrepreneur. It really opens up other opportunities um, when you have that successful exit. So.
0: So really get into that exit because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs hear about getting into companies and, you know, with that Uh exit plan in, you know, we're not asking for numbers or even whatever, but just, you know, like what was the process of it? Like who approached you? Did you approach other people? Let's talk about the exit for a second.
1: Yeah. So for us, it was very strategic. Um, You know, a lot of the financial planners that were writing for us at the time belonged to one organization. Um, probably about 90% of them. And so I reached out to them. I said, hey, listen, you know, and we, at that point, we had a a formal partnership with this organization. I was about to have our first child. And and for me, it was sort of a make or break moment of, you know, do I want to stress with this and take on fatherhood at the same time? Or, you know, is there an opportunity to sell this and and, and take a win um, for us and, and our team? And ultimately, that's what happened. So I reached out to them. Um, they gladly accepted, you know, and and it actually went very quickly and very smoothly um, in terms of the acquisition after um, I asked them if they were interested.
0: Now, how did you identify somebody to approach?
1: The value for them to acquire us was worth more than what the independent financials would have been for of somebody else who wasn't affiliated with us. What I mean by that is not only were they getting the profits that we were making, but this was also a huge brand advertising platform for this organization. So it was really, you know, FiGuide was worth, you know, double, triple for them what it would have been anyone else whose who's, uh, financial advisors were not writing on the platform. Does that make sense? Makes
0: total sense. And James, it really alludes to the point of the entrepreneurial roller coaster that we're all on. I mean, <laughs> I'm yeah. an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. Fire Nation are entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, small business owners. I'm sure you said it went smoothly, but even during that exit, there were some highs and some lows and much more extremes when you're actually running an, a business day to day where we have the highest of highs, and we have those great wins. And then the next day, you know, one email, one tweet can just co- have us crashing down and absolutely devastated. How do you, James, keep some semblance of a balance? And what is your philosophy on the entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, my philosophy on the entrepreneurial journey is just cheap, keep, keep chugging. There's no question. <laughs> Self-doubt is such a powerful psychological roadblock. Um, really, really powerful. And you're going to experience it. There's no question. You're not going to be an entrepreneur and only experience the highs. And, you know, it's sad. But, you know, there have been a lot of studies and, and things in the media about entrepreneurs and, and the hardships that they're they're facing, you know, even things like suicides and just depression. Um, it can be a really lonely path. So I think definitely um, finding partners can definitely help alleviate that. Having an, an external support network. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about the, the culture in, in San Francisco, Silicon Valley. I mean, if you're not doing a startup, something's wrong with you, it seems like. <laughs> um, so it's really, um, you know, having a support network. And I, I would even say, you know, things like what you're doing, John, and what other podcasters are doing, where you interview other entrepreneurs and you hear their stories. You know, you, you can relate to their stories. Not everybody's going to relate to my story, but some people out there will. And I think when you hear other, you know, what other people are going through you and you can relate to that in some way, that, that is a very supportive network that you're getting online. So,
0: James, let's bring things to present times. I mean, we've gone through your journey as far as experience of failure with you, an aha moment. We experienced an exit with you. And now we want to talk about something that's firing you up today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, as I mentioned, um, when I sold the business, I became a dad and now I have two two young boys. So, going out and and starting a new business um, wasn't something I wanted to do then. I'm getting closer to doing that now. But I've always wanted to write a book. It's, it's, it's on my bucket list, if you will. And I thought, you know, what better time to write a book than as a father of two boys with a screaming baby in your lap? <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you can't do podcasts like that. You can <laughs> cannot do, do podcasts. You can definitely put words on paper, um, uh, and that's when I, did, I decided to write the the current book, which I launched um, middle of last year, bootstrapped. And I'm really excited about the book because it's one of the the, the few out there that really tell the stories of boots bootstrap startups and gives you tips on how to approach entrepreneurship successfully from a uh, bootstrapping mindset. And, and John, I, I should have interviewed for this uh, long before, because I think your story would, would fit very well Ooh. with a lot of those that I have in there.
0: Um, <laughs> I definitely did bootstrap.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and, and it's great. And we, we just don't hear those stories enough. And that's why I really wanted to write it. You know, and If you look at our startup media today, you know, the tech crunches, the venture beats, et cetera, they focus so much attention on the startups that are getting VC funding but in reality, those companies represent such a small percentage of successful startups out there. So while it's inspiring to see all these VC funded businesses out there, you know, the Facebooks, the Linkedins, the Stripes, you know, etc., I think it sort of sets a false perception in a lot of aspiring entrepreneur, entrepreneurial minds who think that they need to think of a billion dollar idea and go get it funded in order to be a successful entrepreneur. And you know, the fact is, for every Mark Zuckerberg out there, there are hundreds, if not thousands of other entrepreneurs who have built or sold profitable startups without having to go out and raise venture capital. But you never hear of those stories. So that's what Bootstrapped was for me. You know, it wasn't my personal story. I, I actually didn't even include my story in it. But I went out and researched and talked to other entrepreneurs about how they bootstrapped their startups. You know, how did you get your business ideas? How did you bring them to market? And, and ultimately, how did, you, how did you self-finance them? Um, you know, and so I really dug deep in, 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 into understanding and publishing those stories, very much in a format to um, case studies. You know, business case studies that we used in business school. Can you
0: share with us one of the fun bootstrap stories that you think Fire Nation will resonate with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can resonate with um, Sticky Albums, which um, Nate Gray Grayhack, I think is how you pronounce his name, out of Minneapolis. Um, So Sticky Albums is basically a photo sharing app for professional photographers. Um, And what I love about his story was he was a father of one with, I think, a second baby on the way, didn't have capital to go out and and build a a business, a software business. But he was a, I believe, an amateur photographer on the side, right? And he had this idea to to build this app that ultimately became Sticky Albums and self-financed it. Um, through customers, right? So this is, you know, you talk about having your back up against the wall, right? Having right. a full-time job, having two kids, having a wife asking you what you're doing in the garage on your computer every night, right? <laughs> um, self-financed it through, basically through customer development. So everything he was doing was very manual at the time, but he was able to get the financing to go out and, and pay about 10 or 20 grand to a, a computer developer to, to develop the app form. And, you know, he transitioned those customers onto his automated platform and right away he had a software as a service business.
0: Mm. What a story! That is so powerful. And James, so here you have—you're a father. You have two kids. You finished your book, which was, you know, a great success. What's your vision for the future?
1: Yeah, definitely to do another startup. Um, I, I really like the education space. I think it's really a disruptive opportunity. Um, you know, so where where I go with that, I, I don't know. You know, as I alluded to, right now I'm. I'm focused on, on, on marketing the book. But um, definitely as the, as the boys get older, I definitely want to hop back on the entrepreneurship, um, you know, horse saddle, if you will, and do another startup. It's, it's really, really rewarding. Uh, but it is tough. You know, it is tough. So you have to be mentally uh, ready and you have to have that support network um, in place. You know, there's no question. Great insights, James.
0: And before we dive into the lightning rounds, let's thank our sponsors. Looking to wow your clients in 2014, there are lots of ways to do this. Personalized thank you notes, individual phone calls so you can express your appreciation, even events where you can interact with your most loyal clients in person. All of these are great ideas. But what if there was a way that you could wow your clients by over-delivering on everyday value and giving them something they may have never thought possible for their business? Good news, guys. There is. You know how big mobile is, right? What if you could create mobile apps for your clients that made it easier for their customers to access their content and purchase their best products and services? Think they're a big fan of you now? And just wait. Don't worry. No need to have programming skills. Business Apps has everything you need to create a mobile app no matter what business your clients are in, from restaurants to realtors. Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S-apps.com today. There are several things that hold us back from becoming an entrepreneur. After doing over 450 interviews with today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, I can tell you that by far, the number one thing holding people back is fear. Fear. Fear is followed by several other factors, lack of confidence, not knowing where to start. But in my personal experience, something that I see holding people back every single day from launching their podcast or website or business is design. Don't get me wrong. Design is very important for your business. Your design is oftentimes people's first impression of your business. It shouldn't be something that holds you back from launching that podcast or website. It's something that you can get started on today. At 99designs, you'll have several professional designs to choose from within just a few days of requesting your design visit 99designs.com slash fire to start your design project today and get a $99 power pack of services free. And we've now reached my favorite part of the show, the lightning round, where you share incredible resources and insights with fire nation. Sound like a plan?
1: Absolutely. I love this.
0: What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. So the first thing was not knowing how to quickly test my ideas. Um, early on, I was one of those, you know, entrepreneurs who had a ton of ideas, but didn't pursue them because, you know, I thought you had to go incorporate a business, get business cards, build a website, you know, et cetera. Um, and obviously that process entails a lot of time and money, which was an earlier barrier for me. Um, the other thing that still holds me back to some respect this day is really fear of failure and fear of criticism. Um, so many people are afraid to put themselves out there. Um, publicly because once you're out public and your startup doesn't do well or your idea doesn't take off, you're, you're opening yourself up to criticism. And I think a lot of people have a, a hard time with that. So you really, really need to have thick skin. What is the best advice you've ever received? Yeah. Find a better, faster, or cheaper way to solve a current problem that customers pay for. And what I mean by that is too many entrepreneurs fail, I think, by trying to create something new that customers either don't understand or just doesn't solve a meaningful problem. So if you can't tell a customer that your product is better or faster or cheaper than what they're doing today, you're really facing an uphill battle. So it goes back to the mantra of KISS, you know, keep it simple, stupid.
0: James, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success?
1: Yeah, don't overthink. You know, analysis paralysis is your worst enemy when you're starting out. Um, you know, my friends and colleagues, when you go to business school, everyone has analysis paralysis. My <laughs> friends, in, you know, we still joke about how much analysis paralysis, you know, analysis paralysis we suffer from because you're taught to analyze information, right? You're not necessarily taught to act on it because you're not acting on it. You can't be taught to act on it in order to be, you know, you have to act to actually learn how to act on, on information. So analysis paralysis is your number one enemy.
0: Yeah, if I was in business school and I analyzed leaving a six-figure job, which I had, to start a seven-day-a-week business podcast that was going to be streaming these podcasts for free on iTunes, I would have analyzed my way out of this startup for sure. So James, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, it's very popular, and it's called WordPress. And honestly, <laughs> yes. it's the best thing to create any good-looking website or landing page quickly. Um, you know, I've used it a, a dozen times at least to try and validate different ideas. And it, WordPress just makes it so easy. And I have no programming skills. You know, I, I know basic HTML and CSS, which I've taught myself over the years, but you know, zero programming skills. And, and WordPress really allowed me to to put some ideas out there. Um, you know, I've seen small business owners spend tens of thousands of dollars on custom websites that still look like garbage. garbage. All you had to do is go out to WordPress, buy a $50 theme, you know, install a couple of widgets and boom you've got a website that's 10 times better than what you just paid 10 grand and spent three months doing.
0: And very agile. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that James and I are talking about by going to com slash James Garvin. And James, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: I'm going to recommend two. I have to put my own in there because I do think it is a valuable asset for aspiring entrepreneurs. But I'm also going to recommend a very little known but very powerful entrepreneurship book, which is called The Mouse Driver Chronicles. And this is really an underdog story that never got a lot of press, which is why I'm recommending it. But you have two Wharton MBA grads who went out and started a business around designing a computer mouse shaped like a golf club driver in the height of the dot-com boom. Right. So all of their friends are going, you know, you talk about six figure jobs. All of their friends are getting, you know, signing bonuses, stock options, you know, moving out to San Francisco to go do dot coms. And these guys design a computer mouse shaped like a golf club driver. And the book really chronicles um, their experiences bootstrapping a consumer product. Um, and, you know, to honestly, they took on massive debt. They funded their startup with credit cards. Uh, but this book really gives you the the roller coaster in and outs, ups and downs of what it's like to start a business. And it's it's a great book, no matter what your interests are, whether it's online, offline, hardware, software, whatever, um, about you know the that roller coaster ride that you go through as an entrepreneur. Fascinating.
0: And Fire Nation, I know you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook just like this for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And James, this next question is the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: Honestly, $500 is not going to get you very far. So what I'm going to do is actually go on Craigslist and find a job that I can get some cash in my pocket right away. So whether it's teaching tennis, tutoring, um, whatever, that's exactly what I'm going to go do. And, you know, I I heard some of your, uh, your, your other entrepreneurs go out there and say, well, you know, I'm going to go start an online business and make all this money in seven days. But (laughs) fact is in seven days with $500 to your name, um, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I would say the odds of you actually bringing in cash flow in seven days, uh, extremely, extremely unlikely. So I'm going to do what I can to bring cash in my pocket, maybe even sell my laptop that you've given me, John, to put more cash in my pocket. And then after I've put some cash in my pocket, I'm going to go out and have fun on day seven. And on day eight, then I'm going to worry about my career and then look at some other Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial opportunities.
0: Cash is king. And James, I love your perspective. And I have so enjoyed hearing your journey from beginning to end. I mean, just inspiring on so many different levels and let's end this interview by you giving fire nation one parting piece of guidance, sharing the best way that we can find you. And then we'll say goodbye.
1: Sure. So my one piece of advice is just go do it. Just go do it. There's such a great network of support out there. And it's so great to see the modern movement of, of entrepreneurism. Um, don't be afraid, go out and do it. The resources in the network are out there. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I keep that to my friends and my family. So honestly, the best way to get in touch with me is to email me. And my personal email is jamesgarvin at gmail.com. And I love hearing stories. I love sharing stories, giving advice, whatever. So do not be afraid to email me uh, if I can be of a resource or help to you guys.
0: Well, James, Fire Nation is well aware they can find the links to everything of value that we've mentioned in today's episode at eofire.com. Just enter James in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And James, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thanks, John. Keep up the great work. Fire Nation,
0: are you ready to find out if Podcasters Paradise is right for you? Well, if you're looking for a lively community of over 350 podcasters, then I think you're going to love paradise. We have over 100 video tutorials in our ever-evolving library of how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast, and we're adding more all the time. Plus, our forum is bustling with great advice from top-notch engagement. Visit podcastersparadise.com to claim your spot at our free podcast workshop today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits so prepare to ignite.